Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Podcast Pasta. That's a podcast that's like pasta, not the podcast that's about pasta. As always, I'm your host, Mike, and today I am joined with Sarah, the host of Voyage of Worlds, a YouTube channel that catalogs your um, journey through literature with, I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken, like a focus on like adult literature, although you have talked about other books in your channel. Uh, Sarah, how are you doing today? Hello, thank you for having me. And yes, I do focus on adult literature, uh, specifically adult fantasy literature. And uh, I'm not completely opposed to reading anything else, I should say. Uh, So I think I've done pretty much a book of every genre you could think of on my channel and talked about that sooner or later at some. Awesome, awesome. Okay, well, Sarah, usually the question I like to lead in with this podcast is like my famous first question is, I know I gave you like a very brief introduction. You kind of elaborated a bit on like what you do for your channel. But I guess if you like in your own words, can you explain like what you do and I guess what like motivates the content that you put um, on your channel? Well, so... I think I've I've done my channel for a few years now already. I'm a full-time student usually. I study uh, anthropology as well as African studies and economics. And so a few years ago, it was with a friend actually, we had the idea to start a booktube channel. So a channel talking about books. She started her channel, I started my channel. And in the end, only I continued. And I usually do the videos that you'd think to find on these types of channels. So reviews, uh, wrap ups of books that I've been reading recently, uh, making plans, talking about which books I plan on reading, giving recommendations and so on. And then like a year ago, one and a half years ago, I decided to specifically try to focus my channel on, well, adult high fantasy as I said but I already had that before that and specifically adult high fantasy written by marginalized people as well as women so a lot of authors that maybe don't get the spotlight as much usually so (laughs) I try to talk less about your Brandon Sanderson's and George R. Martin's and more maybe about some authors that aren't as well known I would say. I can respect that. I can respect that. Um, I guess, uh, well, you, you did explain a bit of your background in like how you got into the channel, but I guess going a bit further back than that, what, what's your background with like literature? Like what got you so much into reading to the point that you want to actually do a YouTube channel dedicated to talking about it? Well, <laughs> I don't think um, there was a time in my life when I wasn't reading, I would say. Uh, So both my parents are very avid readers and both my parents read to me a lot when I was little. So that's where I got my love for books from. And then I was always reading and I didn't even have the thing like when I talked to a lot of other booktubers, a lot of them, for them, the motivation is that they didn't have anyone else to talk to about books. But that wasn't really the case for me as well. So for me, it was just something that 
a few years ago I decided to do first of all because I had a friend who wanted to do it with me and we motivated each other I guess and then also to force myself outside of my comfort zone <laughs> because uh, I tend to be a very shy person I tend to be someone who is easily uncomfortable if the spotlight is on me or anything and so yeah I just thought I'd, I'd try it and uh, so I did it and I took breaks in between because I started reading less and not reading when you have a channel about books is kind of yeah not ideal um, and then two and a half years ago I started it up again and it's just something that I do as a hobby that I do for fun and it just also makes me happy when I get comments from people uh, telling me that I have inspired them to pick up a book or something so I guess it's just my motivation is mainly fun <laughs> so yeah oh, okay okay now you said that you were studying uh, anthropology correct yes yeah uh well that's kind of interesting because um I i'm kind of curious how like I, I know there have been like authors that like i think if i'm not mistaken the author of dune also studied like anthropology and that kind of influenced like the work that he did with dune especially in terms like of the world building and everything granted i know it's like sci-fi uh like sci-fi fantasy mix dune is its own weird series <laughs> in that regard um but like uh like i know like uh, like film tubers for example that like they didn't necessarily study film they studied like english but that nonetheless kind of informed like how they approach their content so I guess for your case, how do you think your um, like your passion for anthropology is influencing how you um, approach content for your booktube channel? I mean, I think there is a big influence and it has changed how I talk about books because especially in fantasy, a lot of times like one of the big kind of words in fantasy, of course, in science fiction as well is world building and so for me i think what a lot of people forget is that world building isn't just the magical world building but also that there's you know the, the social stuff and uh, a lot of times for me when i read fantasy that is something that i look for especially how is society structured within those fantasy worlds and how are social issues talked about within those fantasy worlds and how maybe you know how sometimes maybe dynamics of oppression are replicated without being reflected upon in fantasy worlds that's something that i find very interesting i mean a lot of times for example you have misogyny or um you know queer phobia and anything that is reflected in fantasy world simply because it's like that within our world and because the author doesn't have the you know <laughs> imagination to change anything about that in their world and so i think when i read i very much look out for those aspects in fantasy and i have noticed that for example i used to absolutely love Brandon Sanderson and now that I look out for those aspects much more in in the literature that I read I have noticed that I enjoy his works 
a lot less because that's not something that he tends to focus on. Whereas, for example, N.K. Jemisin is an author who, well, of course, as a black author, she has lived experiences with racism, but within her world as well, she just kind of, I don't know how to say, deconstructs a lot of the dynamics that we see in our world. And so I find it incredibly interesting. And I also find it interesting when you then have different societal structures that aren't, you know, modeled after the European feudal system, medieval European systems, but that maybe look a bit farther <laughs> in where to take inspirations from. So yeah, I mean, it's just, it's something when you're used to thinking a certain way because of what you study or when you, you're used, when you, what, how should I put it? When you're used to, you know, finding certain dynamics in the real world and looking at those, then it becomes very easy to also find those same dynamics in fantasy. So that's the one aspect and then I've also started kind of more specifically talking about that sometimes on my channel where I will for example say okay I want to look at how gender is handled within this specific book or within multiple books and how they handle it or how sexuality is handled so you know I have it on the one hand privately when I'm reading that I notice these things and on the other hand I do try to bring it into my channel as well and when I'm talking about books. Makes sense, makes sense. Um, so I, I guess, um, and I, you, I, I think you kind of uh, brought this point a little, but why specifically on the focus of like uh, adult fantasy for your channel? Is it just uh, because like, it's like your favorite genre or was it because like you said there, um, there isn't necessarily a focus on how it's examined in one way versus another. I guess why the focus on adult fantasy? Mostly because it's my favorite genre. <laughs> it, it really it really is just that uh, I started reading adult fantasy when I was probably 10, 11, 12. Some books I certainly read way earlier than I probably should have read them um, with way more mature content that I probably wasn't properly able to handle at that age and then I had a space in between when I kind of got bored um, and when I started reading more YA when I was in high school I think between 16 and like 18 19 and then over the past five years I found back to adult fantasy more and more again and it's just usually adult books generally that interest me more and it's not that I don't enjoy YA sometimes if it's well written but YA a lot of times can't really give me the complexity that I really want from world building and so on and that's not to say that you know YA is less well written or anything than adult fantasy but if you have you know <laughs> three pages to 400 pages versus 600 pages to 800 pages there's just you have more space to do stuff in adult fantasy and so fantasy in terms of genres just has always been my favorite genre 
um, it's where the inspiration for my channel name came from because I was always like, you know, reading these books, going to these different worlds is almost like traveling to me. And so, yeah, I do sometimes read literary fiction and classics, especially, but I always, always return to fantasy and it's always been like that. I see, I see. Um, so the whole booktuber sphere is admittedly like outside of you i don't know really too much too many other like booktubers but from what i understand it is like its own kind of i guess realm so to speak of youtube in terms of like communities and uh, creators uh how, how has that whole sphere treated you you know as you i because i think you've been in it for a bit while if i remember like your earliest videos date back to like six years or so five or six years yeah i think uh if i remember correctly i uploaded my first video in september of 2015 or 2016 no i think it i think it was 2015 and i mean i've grown very slowly um i have had as i said in between i think two years or something where I did not upload anything um, or hardly uploaded anything, maybe one or two videos. And so, I mean, it's kind of hard to say how has the booktuber sphere treated me because in terms of growth, of course, I have not had a lot of growth. Uh, but at the same time, if you find your people and if you find like-minded people, whose content interests you, then it's an incredibly welcoming community. But I think it's it's a bit similar like every other, well, YouTube community, I would say. And I've been following the BookTube community since 2013, 2014, which was, I think, around the time when, when the title of BookTuber for the first time really came up. And, you know, when the biggest booktubers only just hit uh, 100k, uh, not views, subscribers. So when it was still relatively small. And so I've seen it grow. And of course, with that growth also came things like, I don't know, like tea videos or, you know, controversies, discussions. And yeah, it, it's like... <laughs> It's hard to say it's because I'm happy where I am right now because I have my people. I have the people that regularly comment on my videos that I know I can interest very much. And so in terms of the booktube community, I would say I do really enjoy it. And I'm actually sometimes kind of happy that I'm on the smaller side because that means that I also don't get that much attention when it's you know bigger stuff going on or uh, controversies or cancellations or whatever you want to call it so yeah I'm happy with the booktube community and I think it's generally especially when you're a small booktuber it's just a really really nice community to be in right and with your own community I believe um I'm not a part of it myself, unfortunately. Uh, 
but you have like a discord which is kind of like a book club I, I guess tell me a little bit more about that yeah that's i started like at the beginning of 2021 i started a book club um where i was like okay i want to start a book club that as i focus my channel on fantasy that's by written by marginalized folks as well as women i thought i want to start a book club specifically focusing around reading one book a month that's either written by a woman or a genderqueer person and so yeah it's been really nice and we have our discord and some months we're more active other months we're less active <laughs> sometimes um I have to be honest I tend to also forget when I'm you know buddy reading the book or when I'm reading the book that we chose that month um I also forget to comment my thoughts my current thoughts and so on and also currently we have a read-along going on for a fantasy series and it's just generally really nice because it's just small and it's contained and you can just share your thoughts and yeah I I really enjoy it and it's like once a month I think of four books that fit the criteria of adult high fantasy and written by someone who's either genderqueer or a woman and I upload a poll on Twitter and everyone else can choose which book they want to read in the next month and so yeah currently we're reading I think Jade Legacy which is the final book in the Greenbone Saga by Fonda Lee which is a kind of urban high fantasy um, Asian inspired mafia fantasy to see it's really fun and it's very anxiety inducing and so yeah there's a lot of people excited to finish the series <laughs> and so it, it's just people like posting like written comments about like the book of the month that they read or do you actually do like a like kind of like a discord call in which you know you kind of have like a round table discussion about it or i guess how's the format for like discussing the book that is then chosen the format that I have currently is that I open channels for the different chapters and I usually have, depending on the length of the book, like three to five chapters in one channel and then the people can post their thoughts as they go for the different chapters. Of course, trying to keep it spoiler free and only talking about what happened previously in previous chapters. Uh, and then usually for me privately because so far I just haven't felt like you know it would be quote-unquote worth it um, to make live shows to discuss the books at the end of the month so so far the way I've done it is I've always then uploaded a dedicated review at the beginning of the next month just talking about the book and talking about my thoughts and the only exceptions were in the case for example of the book that we're currently reading also for the first two books I did not do dedicated reviews because I knew I'd want to read well after I read the first book I knew I'd want to read the other two books quite soon so I was like okay I'm going to do a series review and I'm going to talk about the series as a whole instead of talking about the single books but yeah in terms of discussion going on in the discord it's mostly just 
in the channels um, written and not really on a video call basis. Uh, that actually seems like a very smart way to do it because it allows you know people to go at their own pace in terms of like approaching the book itself. Um, but like you, you said that you're a smaller channel, but I, I have to give you props. Uh, I, I think I saw I didn't actually get a chance to fully watch it, um, but uh, you actually were able to interview an author, which is like huge. Like for me, that would be like interviewing a director, which I haven't yet done. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, I mean, congrats. I guess how was that? How was that for you? Uh, yeah, well, actually, <laughs> I still have not uploaded the video because, um, well, maybe I accidentally uploaded the video. That might have been. I need to take a look at that. Um, I have not properly translated the video yet. That's what I wanted to say um, because the author. Well, I am. If it wasn't apparent yet from my accent, I am not from America or the UK. I am from Austria. I live in Vienna. And so it was actually quite nice because the author that I interviewed is from Vienna as well. And she's an urban fantasy author. And we kind of connected on Twitter. And then I had a visit <laughs> from a friend. Uh, from Munich and we met up with the author because as you do just happened and we then did the interview via Zoom and I talked to her about on the one hand her book obviously and her writing process and then on the other hand just kind of a little bit comparing German fantasy to uh, English anglophone fantasy and it was just really nice. And yeah, I think it's it's maybe a bit easier sometimes to connect to uh, German authors in certain instances because also she's an indie published author. And so, you know, it was just a lot easier to approach her than, you know, a, a big author who's maybe represented by a big publishing company um, but yeah it also helped that uh, I had been screaming about the book a lot on Twitter beforehand so you know it just it just certainly helps right well either way congratulations um, so as you know and as a lot of my listeners know uh, I don't normally talk about books I talk about like you film television shows just visual media in general uh i i wouldn't necessarily call myself part of like film too because i'm not a youtuber but you know i guess i would have more in common with them than with booktubers so i guess as somebody that's part of book two how do you think the coalitions i guess can be built between like booktubers and film tubers where do you think like there's intersections where like interesting dialogues can be uh, formed between those two communities because as you know like a lot of films i guess recently but even in the past it's been a long trend that you know have been inspired by like books works of literature even now recently or kind of recently we've been getting like actually a lot of fantasy series that have been inspiring films and television shows uh, so i guess where do you think the coalition building where do you think the intersection between those two communities can exist yeah i mean 
I think you already said it. It's it's adaptations, and I think it's also like especially for booktubers. I think a lot of times it's not a strict distinction always because like most booktubers I know and I follow will, for example, publish reviews if there's adaptations of their favorite works. Um, so I've seen a lot of booktubers do dedicated reviews when at the beginning of 2021, the Shadow and Bone TV show came out. Now they're with, as you mentioned, there's a lot of bigger fantasy series that are being adapted. So with uh, both Dune, which is science fiction, of course, not fantasy, as well as with The Wheel of Time, I've seen a lot of booktubers do um, videos, dedicated videos, either just, you know, as a whole, looking at the whole series or the whole show or episode wise. Uh, I myself sometimes do reviews for books and movies that I've, well, not books and movies, for movies where I've had re read the books for. Um, and sometimes if I haven't read the books, I've done a review when Dune came out, when the movie came out, and I haven't read the book. Um, I have gotten a lot of comments uh, correcting me on a lot of things, even though I multiple times mentioned I haven't read the books. This is just my opinion, depending on the movie. So yeah, that's also something interesting, I guess. And then I do think you also have channels like, um, I don't know if you know Dominic Noble, who specifically does videos talking about adaptations and comparing the books to the movies. And then you also have bigger booktubers that sometimes don't call themselves booktubers anymore, um, like Daniel Green, who, who mostly does book reviews but also regularly does reviews of fantasy movies and shows. So I think it's just a natural progression, I guess, <laughs> where um, a lot of people find themselves somewhere in the middle. And I think it's a lot more common, I guess, that booktubers talk about movies rather than um, film tubers talking about books necessarily uh, so yeah I think I think it's an not a clear distinction <laughs> that's how I would put it right I got you I mean nothing really is you know in the grand scheme of things um, but uh, and, and that's kind of what got me into your work was because I think one of the first videos that I saw was like you were talking about the new Witcher series on Netflix um, and, you know, I've been a big fan of Witcher myself, but uh, kind of with this whole idea of adaptations, um, at least from like the film side of things, uh, I'm not sure how familiar you are with this, but there was a time when uh, like Lord of the Rings, which is like, you know, as we know now, it's like one of the largest film franchises out there. Uh, but many people said beforehand that, oh, it was like unfilmable rather either due to like how expansive that world is that uh, token created or you know just due to like the effects not being there at the time um but i guess with the creation with you know a, we're in a post lord of the rings world uh and i i think you would have more uh, knowledge about this because you've read more fantasy series than i probably have um 
do you think we've crossed that threshold where like any series is open to adaptation or do you think that there are still like some hurdles that we could just we just can't cross yet due to like one reason or another i think i think there's certain books where i would find it very hard to imagine an adaptation for example um I don't know, it's probably, you know, it, it's one of those books that's very well known in some cycles and never heard of it in other cycles, uh, but The Sword of Kaigen by ML Wang, which is an adult fantasy standalone. And I have actually talked about it to a friend like a few months ago where I said I absolutely would not want to see it adapted. And that's not because I think the story is incredibly complex or because, um, you know the 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 visual effects would have to be out of this world or something along those lines i think the visual effects could be easily done with what we've seen by now already but it's a book that where a lot of the things happen internally within the characters and not necessarily within in a monologue but you know where you're constantly aware of what a character is feeling and even just minute changes within how they're feeling and how they see things and there's for example this intense battle scene that's i think i don't know how many pages it is which is basically the emotional climax of the entire book and I would just find it incredibly hard to adapt that also because of what I've seen already previously in other fantasy adaptations. For example, I watched uh, A Game of Thrones, the first season when it first came out before I read the books. Um, so I watched the first season and I did not finish the first season because I wasn't interested <laughs> because I just thought, yeah, it's whatever. And then I read the first book and I absolutely fell in love with it at the time because we just got so much from the characters. For example, Jon Snow, I found incredibly boring in the first episode, uh, first episode, first season of the show. Um, can't really say what I think of him going further into the show, but just from the first season, I found him incredibly boring. And then I read the book and at the time I found him the most interesting character because there was so much going on internally, at least how I perceived it at the time. Uh, I haven't read it in a while, so <laughs> that's why I'm putting it like that. And so I think that's mostly where the limits for adaptations are and where I think film has a hard time because obviously in film unless you want narration which you know is is i would say uh sometimes contested within uh film discussion circles you can't really exactly know what's going on inside a character's mind and you can have great characters who can bring a lot of not characters, actors, who can bring a lot of nuance to the characters, but it, it will never be as detailed as in a book. And I think that's where the limits of adaptations lie. And I think it's, you know, I think every book can be attempted to be adapted. I'm 
not sure if every book can be a successful adaptation, but I'm not necessarily someone who looks for a quote-unquote faithful adaptation, as in every single plot beat needs to be the same and every single character needs to be the same and nothing can be cut out. Uh, but, you know, it's just... I think as long as it's there in spirit, then it's a good adaptation. But with books where a lot of the climax depends on the emotions and the inner thoughts of characters, then I just think film has it very hard. Right, I see what you're saying. Um, and yeah, that's kind of like one of the general themes that I get when I watch like people talk about like uh, film adaptations at the time is that uh, you know a lot of it like because there's like a lot of the monologue like you said it does have to be sometimes told through narration or you can kind of imply a character's thoughts thoughts through strong acting um, uh, but I, I guess um, I guess what's I, I guess that kind of might somewhat I, I mean I'll get your thoughts on this uh, I guess that might kind of explain why although granted they're like loose adaptations of like comic book craze is so big right now because you know um you know you do kind of have that like visual to help guide and like to kind of associate it with like um films and things like that and funny enough like my um like my favorite movie of all time i i i I didn't learn it until after the fact was actually an adaptation from a graphic novel, uh, Road to Perdition. Um, I, I don't know what your experience necessarily is with like graphic novels in itself, but do you think they tend to lend themselves better to like adaptation or I, I guess what's your old thought on that? I mean, I don't have that much experience with graphic novels in terms of, um, American US comic books like DC and Marvel and so on. I have some experience with the French version, so Bon Destiné. I read that quite a lot when I was younger and I have read a lot and watched, read a lot manga and watched a lot anime. And I think that, yeah, I do think it probably lends itself better to adaptations. Also, I mean, Again, I have not really read Marvel or DC or anything, but what I understand of it is that you have those different arcs and that you have different iterations of the same characters and the same origin stories and so on. So I think that also lends itself to adaptations because you kind of maybe can pick and choose a little bit what will work best for your adaptation and what type of character you want to have. So. I think maybe there it's good, but also even like when we go to the quote unquote moving graphic novel, uh, when you go to animation, I think sometimes, especially for a lot of fantasy animation almost um, is better for fantasy rather than live action. Because first of all, you have uh, suspension of disbelief a lot more with the medium of animation and then a lot of times you, you can be more graphic i would say in expressions in body language um you can you know introduce things that would look silly if you had 
a real life um, adaptation if you had actors, actresses. Um, so yeah, I do think it probably just generally um, <laughs> both in the better to adaptations and I just also find that I usually if it's well done I will enjoy an adaptation of a comic book more um, and also an animated adaptation of a work that I've already read I will probably enjoy that more rather than one with real actors well not that animation doesn't have real actors because obviously there's voice actors behind that but <laughs> Um, English language block right now, complete blackout. But I think you get what I mean. Right, like live action actors versus like yeah, that's yeah. that was the word I was looking for. <laughs> well, there you go. Um, I guess uh, this is um, so on this. Uh, so on my podcast, I talked about before, uh, like this idea of like at least in terms of like television and like to some degree film like the idea of like micro form content so like you know instead of like a 30 minute long show you have it either told in like 15 minute long or stuff like that especially with quibi which i, I i'm always reminded that i i severely betted on that doing a lot better than it did because you know i i kind of like, I think there is this idea to, like, you know, the shorter form content in terms of, like, telling stories and things like that. But um, I, I'm recalled to it because uh, during Quibi's pitch, which I finally got a chance to, like, kind of see uh, the, like, CEO, or I don't know if it was necessarily the CEO, but they were talking about, like, how they were kind of inspired by uh, how the Da Vinci Code by, um, was it Dan Brown that wrote that? or Yep, Dan Brown. Right. Um, how when Dan Brown wrote The Da Vinci Code, he, you know, instead of doing traditionally, I, I think how it's like each chapter in a book is like roughly 30 pages, which matches like uh, most people read like a page a minute or so. So it takes about like 30 minutes to complete a chapter. Uh, what Dan did instead was that he made them like 10 pages, sometimes like five pages, you know, different lengths that just had a lot of chapters. And the reason for that was that uh, he wanted it to coincide with, like, people's work schedules, so, like, people would read during breaks, and, like, you could finish a chapter during, like, your 10-minute break. So, I guess I'm kind of curious, as somebody who is more, you know, into literature, do you think that's, like, a good way to approach, you know, writing uh, novels, or do you think it kind of cheapens the experience of, like, you know, creating uh, books or, you know, literature, things like that? I actually did not know that story, but I think I think it depends on what you're writing. I mean, personally, I prefer short chapters. <laughs> uh, I very much prefer short chapters. It just makes the reading experience way faster, I guess, because you're much more likely, even, for example, if it's, I don't know, if it's at night and I pick up a book before I go to sleep, I, I'll much rather be like, okay, I'm gonna read one to two chapters before I go to sleep and I know each chapter is 10 pages long rather than be like, okay, I'm tired. I wanna read one more chapter, but the chapter is 40 pages long. Then I'll probably say, no, you know what? I'll just go to sleep and I'll read tomorrow. 
so and also i'm someone who reads a lot on public transport so i just like short chapters that i can read you know just co while commuting to uni and back and where i then don't have to stop in the middle of the chapter and you know be confused when it picks up again because i don't know for some reason i have a harder time remembering what exactly happened when it's in the middle of a chapter rather than at the end of a chapter and so yeah i personally prefer it but i think there's also some books where the longer chapters work way better for example um girl woman other by um bernadine evaristo i think uh who won the booker prize in 2019 her chapters were, if I remember correctly, between 40 and 60 pages long because each chapter was the story of one person. And there it makes sense and there it wouldn't make sense to split up these life stories into single chapters again. So there I would think or I would say it would hurt. So ultimately, I think a lot of times, especially with literary fiction, longer chapters might be smarter or literary fiction I've also seen go in the complete opposite and just have one to two page chapters, so extremely short. But then with fantasy, just also from, you know, my Twitter timeline or something, the amount of times I see tweets that are like, I'd rather read an 800 page book with 10 page chapters rather than a 300 page book with 40 page chapters. So, you know, I think within the fantasy genre, there's a certain preference for shorter chapters, I would say. Right, I get what you're saying. Um, no, I definitely see like the mentality. I, I think they also mentioned like, yeah, like, oftentimes people don't like to stop in the middle of a chapter like that can very much like ruin their experience um for me personally i think it's like well again i think there is something to it it kind of sucks how we kind of have to approach it in terms of like you know because of our work-life balance that you know we kind of have to approach it this way but that's like a whole other topic on its, in its own right um but i guess um uh, shoot i forgot i forgot what the next question i was gonna ask was um, but, um, oh, I wanted to talk about one of your recent videos, which unfortunately I didn't get a chance to see. I think you were talking about, um, ah, and you might have to remind me on this, like, uh, racism in, like, the adult fantasy literature scene, or you, you worded it better than, than I did right Yeah, there. I, um, <laughs> I think the... The title of the video was um, the fantasy community's racist question mark. <laughs> so um, yeah, I was talking in that video about well, the new Lord of the Rings show that's going to come out, I think in November on Amazon Prime, um, published their character posters and there were a few characters that had darker skin tones. Um, that's not even to say that just those characters were played by quote-unquote non-white actors and actresses because of none of the posters you saw any faces. So I, I just thought that was kind of silly when a lighter-skinned hand or arm could just as easily be an Asian person, for example, or a lighter-skinned South American person or whatever. Um, 
And so the comment section of those character posters were just full of people complaining about forced wokeness and um, how their day change uh, Tolkien's vision of Middle-earth and whatever. And it's something that I come across quite often that the fantasy community or I don't want to say the fantasy community. I did the same in the video. I I don't really want to generalize it, uh, but certain subsections of the fantasy community are incredibly resistant to imagining fantasy as anything but white and cis heterosexual. And that was basically what I was talking about in that video. I can't remember my exact talking points anymore, to be honest. Um, it's, it's just something that I think about quite often because I come across it quite often because it just, it's something that happens again and again and again. It happened when The Witcher, the first season came out and Queen Calanthe had a sword and suddenly all the men in the comment sections were like, how the hell can she lift a sword? She's a woman, she must be so weak. Uh, and now again, like, how dare there be a black dwarf in Lord of the Rings? And it's just something that for me is very sad because fantasy for me is imagination. And it's to a certain extent, imagining also worlds that are better than ours, that maybe have less of, you know, less of oppressive dynamics and structures uh, for certain groups of people. And so it's just very sad to see how narrow the image of, a, I don't want to say a lot, but of some fantasy fans is uh, to the point where just fantasy completely excludes the majority of the people living in our world today because um, the majority of the world does not include like most people in the world aren't white and straight uh, and cisgendered because that's just not true. Most of the world isn't even white <laughs> because, you know, even Asia alone has way more people than Europe does. And that's basically what I was talking about in the video that I just think um, we just, you know, we don't even need to engage our imagination to see that fantasy worlds shouldn't just be white and cis heterosexual um, and also what I was talking about a little bit is that I then find it sad that a lot of the fantasy community reacts more strongly to people calling out racism in Lord of the Rings and I'm talking about the books now or even the movies to a certain extent how much like as much as I love them <laughs> and they are some of my favorite films definitely my most watched films ever um, so that that people react more strongly to others calling out the racism and even just latent racism in the movies and in the books rather than to calling out racist fans and that that's the basic gist of what I was talking about in that video
All right, I got you. And yeah, God, I agree. The discourse around that is was so dumb. I mean, it is dumb because I think it's still ongoing. Um, because like people even went as far as to say, "Oh man, the show looks bad itself," and I don't get it. I don't see it. I mean, you're talking to somebody who's kind of a fan of like the Hobbit films. I've talked about that in the podcast too, and I know a lot of book fans aren't like there. Are, there are things to hate about the Hobbit films, sure, but you know, I I, I don't know if it's like to call it like the worst thing ever or whatever you know i think that's a bit a step too far um and you're right it does kind of seem like um i do remember like when the witcher was first coming out uh and like pre-production photos leaked people were also kind of like the same tirade like oh it's either doesn't match the books or it looks awful or whatever and um it, it, I just feel like it might be one of those situations where like people are saying that now and then like when it actually comes out people really enjoy it like they did with the Witcher um, series yeah it was the it was the same thing with the Wheel of Time show as well um, where everyone complained about the quote unquote first diversity in the show and I think now pretty much all like most one-star reviews on Amazon right now are people complaining about the wokeness in the show where yeah I'm, I'm not always a fan of how um, I would say commercial wokeness works <laughs> in uh, books and, and in movies much more so um, let, let's just talk about Disney for example like you know 90s Disney feminism that they somehow still haven't gone past completely uh, which you know it's it's what it is it, it's a commercial conglomerate it's a commercial company um, that does not really care about being quote-unquote woke or does not really care about diversity aside from you know how it might affect the revenue and I do think that there's something to criticize behind that, but I'd still much rather be at a point where that's the go-to and then start criticizing it and then say, okay, how can we now start improving from there rather than say, okay, this is all just commercial, commercial and not quote unquote genuine. So let's just not do it at all. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, I guess ultimately to say is that I'm looking forward to the new Lord of the Rings show when that comes out. Um, I do like one part that you mentioned earlier where, like, how literature can often, like, um, you know, present us with worlds, like, that are better than our own. And I, I often think back to, like, a quote that's often applied to, like, uh, film, but you could apply broadly to fiction, is that, like, you know, it's often the art of the possible, right and to often show people like what we can do rather like what what can be rather than like what is in a sense um and i, and I always love going back to that in terms of like you know uh, when people are like very pessimistic about like you know like adaptation like approaches to adaptation like that you know because ultimately like who am i to take away if like uh, you know um if, if somebody enjoys like the, div the you know the new diversity in like Lord of the Rings you know which I, I welcome myself and um, but in, in, in either way uh, to kind of move off of that for a bit um, 
I hate asking this question because like there's this uh, I, I don't know if you, if you know who Mitch Hedberg was he's like he was like a stand-up comedian unfortunately passed away when he was kind of young no I don't know who that is okay so he had this whole routine where it's like um, you know as a stand-up comedian people would have to often ask him oh do you want to star in our film and like to him it's like well it's like going up to a cook and asking hey do you want to farm you know because it's like two different skill sets and I, I don't want to do that with you because it's like I know you're a fan of literature but uh, have you ever thought about like writing anything yourself and I know like two different skill sets like in terms of analyzing books versus like actually writing a book I should know that myself because I don't want to like direct anytime soon or anything I just like talking about this stuff but um, yeah have you ever had any like aspirations to like actually like write something even if it's like for fun or whatever I used to, when I was really young, I used to want to become an author, um, mainly because it was like, these books touched me so much and they changed my life and they influenced me so much and they helped me so much. And I kind of want to do that for other people as well. But ultimately, I think after high school or something, I kind of lost interest because I don't know, I just feel like I don't really have any stories that I really want to tell in terms of fiction. I mean, there's some ideas where I was like, like, where I'm sometimes like, okay, that would be cool if someone wrote that, but also do I really want to be the person to write that? Um, and then there's, there's also always the thing with, you know, I'm not a native English speaker, and yet I don't really want to publish in German because I don't really like um, the, the German that is used in fantasy books. And I'm not skilled enough in German to, <laughs> to you know, properly write a book that I would be happy with in German. So, and I'm also not interested in, you know, I don't know, honing my skills in that direction. So, it's like something yes of course i think about that of course i sometimes have ideas but ultimately i just have more fun reading the books and reading the stories than writing the stories and probably if there's anything where i'm like okay i would like to publish in the future it's more in the direction of academia and um, non-fiction which just interests me in terms of you know writing books talking about topics that maybe aren't often explained in a way where people who don't constantly talk about these things would understand them or deal with these things would understand them so yeah but in terms of fiction no plans currently and I'm not seeing that as it's gonna change in the future or in the near future right i got you i got you no i i just wanted to throw that out there because you know like maybe like just to leave no stone unturned so to speak or whatever um but i guess uh in terms of your actual channel like what like what do you think's uh, on the horizon for it? like do you have anything in particular planned for it or is it just kind of in the works still um, I mean, currently I'm mostly just planning on uh, continuing as I'm continuing now. So just 
reading the books, re reviewing them um, whenever I have a video idea, doing that video idea in terms of discussions of, of literature, the things that I have planned for this year uh, in terms of bigger things are finishing a video series that I started talking about sexuality and gender and fantasy where I wanted to originally it was last June so in Pride Month I'm sorry you cut uh, but, off a little oh, bit there uh, sorry um, where did I cut off? <laughs> Like you were talking about like you were going into like the um, this video series talking about uh, sex and gender yeah. yeah yeah so i had three videos planned and i only got around to the first video that i was uh doing last june so i do want to finish that video series still talking about uh gender identity in fantasy and gender dynamics in fantasy and then the other big project that I have for this year is I want to do a proper video essay type video talking about um, Orientalism and fantasy. Uh, so, and mostly as, well, the kind of example I'm probably going to use for that is mainly A Song of Ice and Fire because I think there's quite a few examples in there. Uh, but yeah, for, if you don't know Orientalism, basically, I think in the 70s, late 70s, um, Edward Said published a book called Orientalism in which he talks about how the West views the quote-unquote Orient, which is not really, <laughs> it's, it's more a concept than a concrete geographical region. Uh, and a lot of the ways that, you know, people described or Western people, European, American people described people from the Orient or people who they considered quote unquote Orientals. A lot of those ways have translated into fantasy fiction and are now used to describe peoples within fantasy fiction that are not white. So that is my biggest project this year to you know write down a script write down a proper video essay type script and then uh film that and analyze again mostly a song of ice and fire along the concept of orientalism and aside from that it's just just the usual hmm. okay rock on rock on i hope uh I hope those come into fruition, so to speak. Um, I want to take a guess. Are you a fan of D&D? No. Oh, uh, well, really? I wouldn't say no. I wouldn't say no. Oh. <laughs> that came out wrong. I'm no, sorry. sorry. Um, I have never played D&D. I would very much like to, but I don't know anyone in my personal life who plays D&D. And I just never have gotten into it and i've also always been a bit scared to get into it because it, it's the same thing with video games i never really got into computer or video games because i was always like someone uh who thought if i'd start then i'd completely fall into it and i'm not sure <laughs> how productive that would be for me so yeah it's something i'm very interested in but that i've never had the chance to try out yeah, I could see that. Well, I mean, hopefully down the line, I hope you do, because I'm a huge D&D &D fan. 
you know, I haven't played recently though because of like COVID and everything has kind of made meeting up harder than it once was. But um, I would definitely recommend it. Uh, and, yeah. Uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, it's. I, I just wanted to say it's possibly on the plans um, sometime in the future with a few friends to look into it. But yeah, it's it's always difficult if you have no one who's experienced. I would say if you're just a group of newbies. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah I get what you're saying there, definitely. Um, well, we're approaching the hour mark here. Uh, to my listeners, thank you for joining us. Uh, if you want to support the podcast, you can do so in a number of different ways. Uh, Anchor has a subscription option that you can pay monthly that will help support the show. Uh, but if you don't want to do that, I have a Ko-Fi account for one-time donations. Uh, I also set up on Ko-Fi that you can also do monthly donations there. So you could support me on a monthly basis either through Anchor or Ko-Fi. Or if you want to just do one-time donations, you could uh, do Ko-Fi. Uh, I also have a merch store. So if you want to buy you know, t-shirts, mugs, what have you, all that will help support the show. The links to all of this uh, you can find on my Twitter account at Podcasting Pasta. Again, that's at Podcasting Pasta, all one word. The P's are capitalized. I'm not really sure if that makes a difference with uh, Twitter. Uh, it should be under the pinned comment as you know, it's all linked together. Uh, Sarah, thank you so much for joining us. If you want to shout your own socials where people can find your work. Yeah, thank you for having me again. Uh, my YouTube channel is Voyage Through Worlds. Uh, then on Twitter, I'm Voyage in Words. So not worlds, but words. Um, all together. And again, if capitalization matters, the V, the I, and the W are capitalized. And for anyone who's interested in joining the book club and reading more adult high fantasy by women and genderqueer, folks uh that is on twitter at queens underscore witches um the reason for that being that the entire title was <laughs> too long for for a name so yeah that's that's i think the three socials that are important okay thank you and uh take care everybody mm-hmm.